0: Tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about prayer and fasting and uh, some of the things that Jesus said about prayer and fasting and a little bit about what uh, the Apostle Paul said. And uh, so we'll start in Matthew chapter 6 here. But first let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it is living and sharp and active in our lives, Lord God. And, uh, Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that, that you would come into our hearts, Lord, and make your word alive. Lord, I pray that you would use it as a sharp tool, Lord God, to shape us and to, to form us into what you want us to be, oh God. And, uh, Lord, I just thank you, God, for, for open ears and, uh, Lord, ears that can hear right now, Lord God. And Father, let, let your word uh, settle deep into our hearts and, and change us, Lord, to make us more like You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. I imagine we'll probably be back here uh, eventually during these next couple of weeks. Uh, but it, let's just read it here. It's Jesus speaking. He says uh, to His disciples, And when you fast, Don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will suspect that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in secret, and your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. And so, uh, this was part of, of a teaching, uh, you know, Jesus was talking about prayer and giving and then fasting. And, uh, the, the, the overall point that he's really trying to make here is, is that the first thing we need to understand about fasting is that when we fast, we should fast discreetly. And, uh, you know, today it's, it's, it's kind of almost like for some people, it, a lot of people, it's kind of almost a second nature that whatever we're doing, you know, we just pick up our phone and type it in and tweet it uh, and it's automatically uploaded to Facebook and here we go. And uh, so I, I want to encourage you to, you know, discretion still has its place in our lives. You know, everybody doesn't need to know everything about us all the time. And so I want to encourage you that when you fast to, to do your best to uh, fast discreetly. Because the Bible says that the things that God seeks to accomplish in us, uh, the reward that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, we don't get that if we make everybody know that we're fasting, you know because when we when we fast for people to see us, uh, you know the the adoration of men, if we get any, is is our reward, but if we fast discreetly according to the Lord then He is our reward and He will give us kingdom rewards that we'll see tonight. So, uh, fast discreetly. The next thing I want to focus on in this passage is that uh, Jesus, the way He addresses this, He doesn't say if you fast, He says when you fast. And so our Lord does not leave fasting uh, as an optional activity for believers. Uh, it It is something that He expects for us to do and we can gather that from the the speech that he's speaking to the disciples who are a representation of the church and of believers. So, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but that's one of my weakest spiritual practices is fasting, and, and God's really been dealing with me about it, and uh, I've been um, trying to find different ways to afflict my soul, and uh, it's 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 really difficult. Difficult is the wrong word. Uh, It's really uh, abrasive to me to give up food for a day, but I'm I'm really hoping to um, be able to incorporate that more in my life, and and I hope you guys on some level, you know, uh, it's whatever whatever's fighting for your heart, you know, the computer, the television. um, You're going to see when we lay these things down, uh, they do certain spiritual things in our life, and so that's what I want to talk to you about. So let's turn to. Matthew chapter nine. We'll see a little bit more about what Jesus has to say. I got a postcard from Allstate, and it's been my Bible bookmark for about three weeks now. Matthew chapter nine, verse fourteen. I've never seen this. I've never, i never noticed this. That that the Lord kind of taught me while I was studying until uh, when I was studying for this. And uh, so it's pretty interesting. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus responded, should the wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Someday he will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Now, just on a quick look at this, you might miss something uh, that Jesus essentially is making a, a statement of deity in, in this passage, because uh, all in the prophets, the coming Messiah is referred to as the bridegroom, the bridegroom of Israel, and, uh, and so in this statement, wrapped up in this, was a, 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 he was saying, I am the Messiah, I am the, the messianic bridegroom coming, And uh, when Jesus, the bridegroom of the kingdom, was with his disciples, in his mind, fasting wasn't necessary. That's what he said. He said, they don't fast because I am with them. Uh, We know that Jesus had taught his disciples about fasting back in Matthew chapter 6. We just read that. Uh, But he wasn't instructing them to fast while he was discipling them, as is observed here by John's disciples. So, uh, but but in Jesus' mind, when he died and went to heaven, his followers should fast. So I read this and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, so when, when he went to heaven, the disciples were going to be on earth, right? They would live beyond him. And uh, they are left in a fallen world awaiting the second coming of, and the kingdom. And Jesus says, when that happens, I expect you to fast. Now, right before that, right before John's disciples had come and asked him about fasting, uh, the Pharisees had been talking about, well, they, they were asking why he eats at all. You know, they were complaining because he ate with what they considered the lowlifes uh, of their community, of their religious community. Um, I, I believe it's like some tax collectors and, and some people who were considered very lowly in, in the Jewish community. And then these disciples come and they say, well, the Pharisees fast and we fast. Why don't y'all fast? And Jesus, uh, what He's saying here is he, he's, he's pointing to the difference between what was and the new that He was bringing. The, you know, he says, I make all things new. And so, you see, before Jesus came, before the prophecy of the coming Messiah was fulfilled, the purpose of fasting, the reason the Pharisees fasted and that John's disciples fasted, was that they were mourning and longing for the coming of the promises of the prophets. They were looking forward to it to something that was not yet fulfilled, and they were mourning because it had not yet come. Uh, but Jesus was declaring that the promise of the Messianic bridegroom was now being fulfilled, so it was time for celebration, not mourning. But upon leaving the disciples... Jesus knew that there was going to be a time between the kingdom being amongst them and His second return, His return to the earth. And so during that time, uh, they were no longer mourning, looking forward to the first coming of Christ, but they were now, uh, they were now mourning and longing for the coming kingdom, the, the, the full fulfillment of Christ's coming and reigning on the earth. And so that's, that's what this word mourning, that's why He threw it in there. Uh, So, I want to show you two key things. I think they're going to come up on the big screen uh, about fasting that we can gather from this. The first one is is that fasting points to our desire for Jesus and our mourning for His return to renew this fallen world. And the second is this. uh, Fasting is a spiritual practice that inaugurates the kingdom of God in our lives spiritually while we wait for the kingdom of God to come physically. That's kind of a mouthful. I'm going to read it again. Fasting is a spiritual practice that inaugurates the Kingdom of God in our lives spiritually while we wait for the Kingdom of God to come physically. You see, what fasting does is it points to our desire for Jesus. Fasting is the exclamation point on the statement, Come, Lord Jesus! And the heart of fasting is longing. I long for the kingdom. I long for Christ. I long for Him to come. It's putting our stomach where our heart is in order to give added intensity to our longing for Jesus and His power and His kingdom not yet realized. You see, we look around and we see uh, people who are hurting on the inside. We see sadness. We see sorrow. We see marriages that are broken that need healing. We see sickness that needs to be cured. And we long for the kingdom that day, that glorious day when Jesus reigns and all of these things will be rectified. They'll all be gone. You know, the Bible says that, that all sickness will be gone, that, all, that He will wipe away every tear, that there will be no sadness. You know, I've been, I've been studying a lot of eschatology, you know, end time stuff, and, and I, I see in the Bible that, that the kingdom, per the Bible, is more characterized by what's not going to be there than what actually is going to be there. But we, we see a glorious picture by what's not going to be there. No sorrow, no tears, no sadness, no sickness. You know, uh, it'll be a place of great joy. And, uh, and, and, and we, we in our hearts, one way that we show our longing and our mourning and our waiting for that coming kingdom is the practice of fasting. And so uh, fasting aids us in mourning over, rather than treasuring this temporal life, and longing for the kingdom. It helps to give us an eternal perspective in life. So that's that's just uh, two huge things to me, two huge parts of fasting. And uh, let's turn over to Matthew chapter seventeen. Show you another story. Okay, Matthew 17, verse 14. It says, When they arrived, Jesus and His disciples, at the foot of the mountain, a huge crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water, so I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus replied, You stubborn, faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him from that moment, and from that moment the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? Jesus said, You didn't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I assure you, even if you had a faith as small as a mustard seed, you, would, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. But this kind of demon won't leave unless you have prayed and fasted. So, uh, the next thing that I want us to understand about fasting is, is that fasting increases our faith such that our prayers have more power. Let me show you. Uh, You see, fasting itself does not make our prayers more powerful. That's not what Jesus said here. Fasting is an action that increases our faith. It is faith that makes our prayers more powerful. You know, look at the passage. The disciples implicitly asked why they could not ask the demons, and why they couldn't cast out the demons. And the answer of Jesus is is that their prayer lacked the power uh, to do such. you know, Because it didn't have... He says, you don't have enough faith. That's what Jesus said. Then He goes on to say that the healing of the boy could only be accomplished by prayer and fasting. Now, I believe, even though uh, the story doesn't tell us, even though Matthew's account doesn't tell us, I believe that the disciples prayed for the boy. Uh, But we know from the previous passage in chapter 9 that they were not practicing fasting while Jesus was with them. So the missing link was faith, which was directly linked by Jesus to fasting. Fasting is a physical act of faith that increases the power of our prayers because it increases our faith. That's the link. That's the link. The miraculous is linked to faith and faith is increased by fasting. Uh, You know, this gives some insight into why Jesus did not require His disciples to fast while He was with them. Because while Jesus was with the disciples, all the benefits of the kingdom were there in their midst, including healing. You know, Jesus walked and He did miracles. He provided the needs of people miraculously. He laid His hands on the sick and they were healed. And the disciples had the kingdom walking with them, living amongst them. Uh, so, but when Christ rose to heaven, they longed and looked forward to the things of the kingdom. Again, in this case, healing. So since, uh, since right now, we're not in the kingdom, the only way that we can operate in kingdom things is by faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, and 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 the the movement and the infilling of the of the Holy Spirit in our lives is directly linked to our faith and our 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 um, crucifixion of the flesh and our relying on him for our strength and our power. And so, you know, a lot of people look at this and they say, Well, fasting makes my prayer stronger. No. Fasting gives us faith, it increases our faith, it focuses us on the Lord, and our faith is what makes our prayers powerful. So Uh, that's a pretty cool purpose of fasting. And the last thing I want to point out, I think think I've got this, uh, the verse that we're going to turn to is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. And um, the last point about fasting that I want to look at is that fasting is a physical reminder of our spiritual need to pray without ceasing. So let's turn over to... 1 Thessalonians. Sometimes it's a little hard to find. I have found. Timothy, you've gone too far. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. It says, always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to to Christ Jesus now verse 17 is one of the shortest verses in all of the bible and most translations render it pray without ceasing uh, you know i know the new king james does that's that's how i memorized it growing up you know it says pray without ceasing so um you know, and, and so the will of God is that that we continually be in a in a mode of prayer, that, that instead of reacting from an earthly perspective, uh, you know, that we react from a prayerful perspective. Yet you and I both know that as day as the day goes on and, and the, the duties and the cares of the world, you know, they they continually uh, and gradually take our mind off of the Lord, right? Every day, I find myself. You know, I spend my time with the Lord in the morning, and uh, I find I find the battle to be greater and greater and greater to keep my mind on Him as the day goes on. Can anybody relate to that? You know, and so we find ourselves. If our mind is not on God, then our mind definitely is not on prayer, right? And we we, we find ourselves not praying without ceasing. Uh, Now remember, it was prayer partnered with faith that Jesus said could move the mountains. So, you know, when we have have these things, you know, and everybody's got a mountain in their life, you know, sometimes it's a small one, uh, you know, sometimes it's a big one, you know, you know, one of my mountains right now is getting a three-year-old to go to sleep at night. (laughs) It's a mountain, (laughs) you know, and and there's things, you know, stuff pops up, you know, somebody's uh, wrong to us at work or... Or, you know, uh, our husband or our wife is driving us crazy that day, or whatever. You know, there's, there's mountains in our life that, that just pop up, and there's hills, and there's valleys, and there's all kinds of stuff. But it's faith-filled prayer that moves the mountain. You know, and I can't tell you how many times the mountain shows its ugly face, and the last thing that is on my mind is to pray. You know? Can anybody relate to that? And and so, you know, but but that's what the practice of fasting it helps uh, to to solidify this this prayer without ceasing. I'm about to show you why. But what we need to remember is is that there, if there's no faith-filled prayer, oftentimes there is no miraculous move of God. If my heart is in the flesh and not in the spirit, I'm not going to pray. And there's gonna there's more more often than not there's not a miraculous move of God, you know. James four two says uh, that we do not have because we do not ask. James five sixteen says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So obedience to Paul's command. To pray without ceasing brings about the miraculous in our lives. But how do we apply that to fasting? That's the question. This is how. You know, uh, I don't think anybody's doing a full food fast. You know, we're doing a 21-day period. That would be very difficult. But uh, some of you may be doing the Daniel fast. Uh, Some may be just certain foods or... Or even, uh, like I said, maybe social media, I know that vies for our hearts a lot. But but here's the thing: uh, you know, one of the things I'm not eating is sweets during this fast. And so when my body craves sweets, whenever during the fast my body says, I want I want something sweet, my spirit responds with prayer. And then that's why, that's why I believe that the practice of uh, full food fasting is, you know, maybe for a 24 hour period is, is a great practice for this purpose because your body really rebels <laughs> against you whenever, whenever you're not feeding in anything. And, and, and true practices of fasting my body rebels, my flesh rebels against the fast, but I respond spiritually with prayer. I respond. With, with, with a, a spiritual response to the physical ailment. Uh, and this is why I believe that it's very important that we fast with a purpose, that we don't just fast to fast, but we fast with a purpose. We have something in mind that, um, that when the body rebels, we immediately say, uh, You know, well, God, I thank you for this. And Lord, I pray for this. And I declare this in, in, in such and such life. And, and, and when we have that purpose in our heart and we're prepared for the rebellion of the body, we can immediately come back with the spiritual response. And that's where the power is in fasting, and that's where our faith is increased. So, uh, you know, right now, our corporate purpose for fasting is uh, for souls. Our corporate, as a church, our corporate uh, purpose in fasting is to see people born again to see people uh realize their need for Jesus and to repent and to trust in the gospel and uh our secondary uh purpose is to uh, get a burden for the lost to have a heart and be bothered by the fact that people are not born again and that people may spend an eternity separated from God in a real place called hell and uh and so that's our that's our purpose as a church so uh you know just Just to formulate, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, we we really need to go to the scripture to, to, to nail things down. And so let me show you just one scripture about the lost to kind of help us get an idea of where lost people are and how we can pray for them. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4 4. It says, Satan, the God of this evil world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us for God who said let there be light in the darkness has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ so what Paul is ha- saying here is is that people who are born who are not born again don't reject the gospel because they don't want to see, but because they can't see. That's what this says. It says, Satan has blinded them spiritually, and they are unable to see the light of the gospel. Uh, they're spiritually blind, and the Bible teaches that man left to himself is unable to come to God. You know It says that we are inherently evil, there is none righteous, not one. There is none who loves God or seeks God, there's none righteous. We are, you know, the Bible says that the that the that the heart of man is indescribably evil and wicked and that we cannot understand it. We can't even understand how wicked our hearts are. And only those who God draws by the power of the Holy Spirit can be saved. That's Bible. That the Holy Spirit God, God draws all men to repentance uh but we also understand that God desires all men to be saved you know and that God draws all men to himself and some he draws with you know brilliance and signs and 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 very uh powerfully like he did the apostle paul and some he draws very discreetly and quietly uh and you know I don't understand i i if it were me Everybody would get the road to Damascus treatment, you know, glory and blindness and, and, uh, you know, follow me. But I, and I don't know why God chooses to, to, to so discreetly draw some and so powerfully to draw others. But what I do understand is that God is absolutely wise. God is absolutely just. Uh, He knows what He's doing. Way more than we ever will, infinitely more than we ever will, and that's just the way he goes about it. Uh, you know, I know that the lost are spiritually blind, and it takes a miracle from God for them to see. It took a miracle from God for you and I to understand that we needed Jesus you know and and how do I know it's a miracle because here Paul compares. Uh, the light of the Gospel shining into the heart of a lost person to the miracle of God speaking, let there be light at the creation you know he equ- He equates it to the same magnitude of god's creative power when when the light shines into a lost person's heart and they're able to believe uh, so that gives us really good insight on how to pray for the loss when we pray for the lost, we've got to implore God God. And this is the way I pray for my kids every night. This is the way I pray for uh, lost people that I know that God's put a burden on my heart. I say, God, shine the light of the Gospel of Jesus Christ into their heart. Let them know their sin. Let them know that they need Jesus. Let them know that there is no other way That they can be saved except for the name of Jesus applied to their life, the blood of Jesus applied to their life, shine the light of the gospel into their heart and break through their spiritual blindness. You know, and that, that is, that is, that is a powerful way that we can pray for the true condition of lost people. And I would encourage you to, to develop something like that during this fast so that, so that, you know, whenever we're, uh, walking down the street or at work or whatever, and my, my, my flesh says I want a candy bar, I say, thank You, Jesus, that You're shining the light of the Gospel into people's hearts. And uh, and you know, and, and the craving comes again an hour later, and, and I pray without ceasing. I, I spiritually respond, Lord, I pray, for, I pray for John Smith. I pray that You would save him, Lord. I pray that, that Your Holy Spirit would get a hold of his heart. And uh, you know, it comes again 30 minutes later, and I, I, I respond because I have a purpose. I have a purpose, and I say, I say, "Lord, give me a burden for the lost, Lord God. Break my heart because people are dying without knowing Christ uh, and, and, and going to hell for an eternity. Lord, break my heart for that." And so you kind of see the ebb and flow of it. You see the, the reason that we need a purpose in fasting. You know and, and, and maybe in the future you might fast again and, and you have a different purpose. or maybe during this fast, you know you have a, another other purposes, just besides uh, you know praying for the lost and for a burden for the loss. You may be praying for somebody's health or marriage or uh, you know whatever. But the key is is that in our hearts and in our minds, we need a specific purpose for fasting. So that we can enact that prayer without ceasing as a spiritual response to a a physical the physical elements of fasting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's really my teaching tonight. Uh, I was kind of uh, texting back and forth with with Pastor Sam uh, before I came here, and one of the things that he encouraged us to do uh, before we uh, disperse from here is to uh, pray for the lost. Pray for this this um, purpose that we have in our fast, and this this corporate vision that we have. And uh, so, if, if you will, uh, if you guys want to stand up, stretch your legs. I know we've been sitting for a little while, and uh, and and just agree with me in prayer. In fact, Jim, I've been talking. Would you Would you mind leading us in prayer, man? Uh, pray pray for the lost, and and, and just close us out.
1: Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for what you've already done for us, but Lord, we don't want to bottle it up, we don't want to package it up and hide it away, Lord, we want to be joined by, Lord, the multitudes that are still out there that that still don't know you as a personal Savior, and Lord, as we're moving forward in this fast, and help us to keep the, the focus, keep the, the goal or the the, the ultimate destination in mind, and that's for people to be saved. Lord, the people that we know, the people that are in our families and friends, our, our work companions, Lord, it, it's, it's You that's going to make the change, but it's us that's going to have to contact the people, Lord, and, and touch them on a personal level. And Lord, help us to understand that how we react to our fasting, how we dedicate to our prayer life. Lord, it's going to impact these people greatly, maybe for eternity. Lord, we pray that tonight. Lord, that all these people that have burdened our hearts, all these, these names that are on this cross tonight. Lord, we declare, we will, we will declare a thing that's not as though it were. And we declare your light to be shining in their lives, Lord, during this period of time, give them the opportunity to let that light shine into their life and understand that You love them so very much. That You want to deliver them from a devil's hell. Lord, that You will deliver them from a devil's hell. That it's Your desire. Lord, and it's more than just missing hell. It's the fact that we get to fellowship with You. That we get to stand in Your presence. That we get to kneel. Lord, that we get to to sit at Your feet. Lord, and just bask in Your love. Lord, and for all these things, Lord, we want to say thank You. We want to praise Your name and give You all the glory. Because Lord, there's none like You. There is none like You, Lord. And we bless Your holy, precious name expecting, O God, our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones to come into the kingdom in Jesus' name.